We're the misfits in Hawaii. Must you? Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and it is time for episode 18, Hot Time in Hawaii. (laughs) Mackenzie is cackling because this contains one of her favorite songs and one of my most hated songs. It's the same song. Look forward to that. This episode is written by Beth Bornstein. Uh, We have seen her work before. We will see it again. She did Adventure in China, Hot Time in Hawaii, The Fan... And the presidential dilemma. Is that the one where the misfits steal the president? No, no. The misfits don't steal the president. A costume supervillain steals the president. Obviously. The misfits are patriots. So we open in Starlight Mansion in the Jazzercise room. They have a Jazzercise room. They have a whole room for Jazzercising because it's the 80s. And Aj is leading it. The doorbell rings and Jerrica Jazzercises her way to the door. Which is great. Actually worth noting that the song that they are Jazzercising to is There's a Melody Playing from the last episode. And then as Jerrica's gone, Aja suddenly stops and says, that's all for today. No cooldown. None. She just stops. No, they are going pell-mell and then boop, done. Jerrica returns with a special delivery letter that even seems to have a wax seal. It turns out the holograms have been invited to participate in the annual Battle of the Music Stars in Honolulu. And you guys, is it ever stated that this is an athletic competition? I don't think it's stated that it's an athletic competition until they're like on the plane. Yeah, they just all talk about exercising, but no one ever tells us that it's an athletic competition. So we're just wondering why do they need to exercise to be on stage? They don't move around that much. It's not like they're Iggy Pop. The winner is apparently going to receive a trophy, how fancy, and they can perform at the governor's mansion. Nobody's getting paid, of course. No. Actually, you know, I know what one of the other awards is. Great exposure. Meanwhile, at a special music star buffet... Special music star buffet today. That's what it says on the sign. We come to the misfits, of course, who are eating to celebrate their invitation. Which, there's a lot of, like, uncomfortable, body-shamey undertones to the misfits in this episode. Yeah, thank you! Seriously, it's like... It's pointing out that the misfits, instead of training, just do nothing but eat and, and buy equipment that lets them cheat, and it's it's weird. It'd be one thing if they were just being, like, lazy, but it's always them eating. There's a weird thing where it seems like the message here is either you exercise or you eat. You can't have both. And especially because it seems like most of the time the food that they show us, they're, they're eating fairly healthy. That's not like they're eating junk food or anything. More, more importantly, if the holograms are doing all of that training, they need to be shoving like protein down their face constantly. And, and that's usually what the misfits are eating. The misfits are usually eating like protein and maybe some carbs or something. But this, this goes out through the whole episode and it's weird. And Stormer's like... Should we be exercising or... Pizzazz is like, no, we're going to hire Zipper as our coach to train us in the art of cheating. It's There's just, there's an artistry to this line and how bad it is. Eric Raymond is not in this episode at all, so the Misfits must have independently contacted Zipper. More importantly, if Zipper's drawing a salary from Eric Raymond, is he allowed to work for other people? I don't know. I mean, that's got to be in the contract somewhere, right? Is there like a non-competition clause that we should be aware of here? Is he just so bad with the contract that he just kind of assumes that when Pizzazz comes to him, it's okay because it counts? I mean, I could see Pizzazz arguing her way through a contract. Pizzazz strikes me as the kind of person who would actually be like brilliant at uh, at contract litigation. And then she just never uses it for good reason. Anyway, the holograms are on a ridiculously roomy plane with an open bar? 
yeah, she just goes to the back of the plane and there's a bar there with like a bartender and everything. And she gets a large pineapple juice because Hawaii. And she spills it on a blonde orange man in a white polo shirt. Steve. Despite the fact that she spills like citrus juice on this guy's shirt, it's gone after she like wipes it off a little bit. His name is Steve. And he announces to her, which is maybe one of the dumbest things that can happen. I'm on my way to Honolulu, he says on the plane bound for Honolulu. And Kimber's like, oh, me too. It's a plane, not a bus. Where else would they be going? It's not as though Hawaii has that many major international airports. Steve is a fan of Kimber, apparently, and he declares himself to be their coach. They had no coach. They relied entirely on Kimber being able to flirt up a coach. And Aja jazzercising them. So this is where we find out that the Battle of the Music Stars is actually an athletic competition, which is, why would you make musicians do sports? Why would you? That's just cruel. Yeah, this is the incredible part about this episode. We are assuming that glam rockers can do sports. That's not what they're for. No, it is not. I mean, it's not like this is like a celebrity boxing thing. Everyone knows how celebrity boxing works. Actually, I would love to see Jem and Pizzazz in a celebrity boxing match. Just so I want to see them hit each other in the face a lot. Oh, are you kidding? Pizzazz would totally wreck her within like five seconds. Pizzazz would put like lead weights in her gloves. And then the rest of Gem and the Holograms would be like most of Million Dollar Baby. So we cut to a beach in Hawaii where the holograms are training, the misfits are relaxing and eating again because you cannot eat if you want to be healthy, apparently. Zipper comes in, announces that he has picked up some special equipment, and now we get our sequence where Zipper is apparently Q from James Bond now. Yeah, it's, where does he even get this stuff? Nobody makes these. Did he just buy them from Acme? They're also the most obvious cheats in the world. So like our secret weapons, it's like either he gets these things from Tech Rat, but they're not really Tech Rat's MO, so it's like he just knows a coyote. Zipper shows Roxy her new Mario Kart bike with like electromagnets that pull her up to the person in the lead and these tire shredder, and then Roxy takes off before Zipper can show her the last feature, which is an oil slick. An actual oil slick. Although it's blue. Our second secret weapon is the pole vault pole with a cartoon spring in it. Which I don't see how that would help, but okay. Pizzazz ends up in a tree and is like, Zipper, you want me to build a nest up here or what? Which is actually a pretty good line. And then we get to secret weapon three, which is shoes with a cartoon spring. These cheats are so obvious. How do they expect to get away with this? Like there are people who stand right by the poles for the pole vaulting thing. They're they're going to see that. Not even judges. Like there are spotters and the people who like need to clean like the sand and stuff like that. Yeah, so this is this is Zipper's plan. Blatant obvious Mario Kart cheating. After we go through these these secret weapons, we cut to the beach where Kimber is swimming and then suddenly Jaws happens. Well, first we see the fin, and then Steve sees the fin. He's like, Kimber, swim back, swim back right away. It's like seen directly out of Jaws. And Kimber turns and she sees the fin. And then this huge, like, cartoonishly large shark head emerges from the water. It is bigger than Jaws. This is like Jaws 3D. And that's our commercial break. Kimber is about to get eaten by an improbably sized shark. Memento Mori. Buy our dolls. Is there like a special Kimber playset where she's inside the stomach of a shark? Because I would buy that. Anyway, when we come back, the shark is just like, it's skimming the top of the water with its mouth open. Like it's trying to catch krill or something. I've watched Shark Week like 20 years in a row. Sharks don't do that. Steve has managed to get a jet ski and harpoons the shark. At which point it, it sparks and explodes. Yeah, it was a mechanical shark. And okay, look, before we get to what the heck just happened, Steve's plan was to harpoon a shark in the first place. 
he was going to harpoon a freaking shark. It's like, look, if you're gonna harpoon a shark, you stick a can of compressed air in its mouth first. We know how this works. Get it together, Steve. God. And then we cut to the beach. The mechanical shark with zippers. Zipper has a remote control mechanical shark. I'm not sure it's remote controlled. We don't see a remote controller anywhere. It was an autonomous mechanical shark. Where does Zipper even get an autonomous mechanical shark? Now see, this one was, would, would make sense if it was Tech Rats. Tech Rats like, oh no, my shark. My shark. Oh no. <laughs> Poor Tech Rat. Nothing gold can stay. He just did this. This wasn't even part of like his competition. This seems like this was the test run. This was him doing this for fun. And the misfits are eating again. Zipper mentions that they're eating shark, and so they all immediately gag and shove it away for reasons unknown. What the heck? It's not like he said you're eating, like, rat or something. Shark fin is a delicacy. It's super expensive. You should be happy he's feeding that to you. They're disgusted. They're disgusted. It's like he told them they were just eating dog food. And you guys were all just saying how delicious it was. Although I will point out, children, shark finning is wrong. Don't eat shark fin. We are more of a threat to sharks than they are to us. Anyway, our next scene is the opening ceremonies of the uh, of the Battle of the, the... Oh god, I forgot what they called. Battle of the Music Stars. Which is a really not a good name. Especially because Battle of the Bands is already like a musical competition. Everybody understands that that's what that is. You can't just call it like competition of the music stars or like fight the music stars or something, something to nothing. The bike races first and Roxy blatantly and obviously cheats and nobody cares. She deploys the oil slick, very obviously taking out other competitors. There are other competitors here besides the holograms. And then she shoots out like uh, she does the Ben-Hur spike thing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I had written them down as Ben-Hur. I'm glad you did too. Yeah, the Ben-Hur spikes are deployed on Shayna. And who are these other racers? Well, I'm pretty sure one of them is from the Limp Lizards, because this is just their luck. They actually worked hard for this, and it's just more hijinks. So Roxy wins the bike race. Then we get to the pole vault. Jem does really well in the pole vault, but then pizzazz with the spring-loaded pole, still not sure how that's supposed to work, breaks the Guinness World Record. And the announcer can tell from the frickin' box. He just immediately calls it without, like, I don't know, people with a measuring tape or anything she breaks a world record and that's not the dumbest thing that happens in this stadium because next is the high jump with stormer doing the comically large spring-loaded jumps she breaks another world record nobody noticed that she's doing things that human beings should not be capable of doing no judges, no like replays, no measurements, no nothing. No one is shocked by this. They're just like, oh, cool, world record break. That's fine. These are glam rockers. They're probably the same thing as Olympic athletes. I should note that my high school has a girl. She's actually uh, in the running to join an Olympic team for the high jumps at the Olympics. I feel insulted on her behalf. After these three events, the announcer tells us that the score is tied, which... I guess there were three other events that we didn't see that the holograms won. Who are they tied with? How? There's only been three events and the Misfits won all of them. You have to at least show us like a freaking montage. Of them winning a little bit, even. But I guess that ends day one events and we cut straight to a luau. Because Hawaii. Here it comes. Kimber and Steve make a moonlight walk on the beach while everyone else is enjoying the luau. Steve tells Kimber that she's the best swimmer he's ever coached. I'm not sure Steve has actually ever coached anyone before. Steve doesn't actually say that he's a coach on the plane. He says he knows a lot about sports. So Kimber's the only swimmer he's ever coached. 
but the big romantic walk on the beach is interrupted by the misfits colonizing a luau. The misfits basically shove off the dancers on the stage, the women actually doing a hula. The misfits are basically a metaphor for white culture's effect on Hawaii. Hey, other famous people. We're the misfits. Here's a song to celebrate this festive Hawaiian holiday. They don't say what Hawaiian holiday. I'm pretty sure they're about to break into Melekeiki Maka. And then they do the song. Yes! The song We're the Misfits in Hawaii. And it's one of my favorites. I hate this song. I love this song. I hate it so much. I love it so much. Why? I just love the discordant way they sing it. I love... How it's nothing like Hawaii. I love how it doesn't seem to really have any rhyme or reason to it. Because it's like, we're the misfits in Hawaii. We wear a sarong, but it looks so wrong. I love it. I love every bit of it. That's why I hate it. That's why I hate this song. This is not a misfit song. This song isn't a misfit song at all. Misfit songs are about how awesome they are and how they can never fail and how they're going to get you and, and their songs are better and everything about that. Misfit songs are a celebration of how cool they are. This is a song that is self-depreciating. It is the misfits saying we were so wrong, but it looks so wrong. They talk about getting sunburnt at the beach. It talks about them getting insect bites and like how they got seven tropical diseases. It's about them failing. And that is not a song that the misfits sing. It's a song about how much they hate Hawaii. It's them embracing their hatred. They constantly, well, not really they. It's, it is kind of a Roxy and a pizzazz sort of thing. But they do constantly get upset about being mistreated or about being just waylaid upon whenever they're not really being waylaid upon. And so in this case, it's them embracing that aspect of themselves that normally we only hear in vocabulary or in pizzazz's pouty looks and raptor shrieks and them embracing that and putting that into a song. And I love it. It delights me. But that's the issue here. That's the issue. These aren't them being put upon. This is them making stupid mistakes, getting bitten by insects, standing out in the rain and getting diseases. This is them getting sunburnt and looking wrong while wearing a sarong when the misfit should be saying, we look hot no matter what. But here's where you're getting the thing. You're saying it's not them being put upon, but the misfits don't necessarily blame themselves for when they make their stupid mistakes. They tend to blame the world, even if it is totally them. We've seen proof of this and past episodes where it's always Eric's fault or it's Jim's fault that they didn't win this contest when no, it was just that they'd done something bad or they'd done something that brought the police in and it's always them. They always put the blame outwardly and in this song they do that and I understand you're saying that most of their other songs are, as we're going to see in the next episode, I'm the queen of rock and roll or there ain't nobody better but every artist needs to diversify their interest here and that's what they're doing and it delights me. The Misfits do not diversify. The Misfits have one song, have one motif, and they do it well. I love their whiny song so much. It's the only song they have like that. This does not work. This is not a Misfits song. It doesn't sound like a Misfits song. It doesn't carry the message of a Misfits song. It looks so wrong. And we will <laughs> never agree on this. <laughs> no, we won't. I love it so much, though. Ah! Ah! We're the misfits in Hawaii. No! And, and I just I just love how they say Hawaii, too. Like, just as a minor point, Hawaii. Not to mention, they do this stupid dance that looks like a five-year-old who has heard of what hula is. They just wander around, thrusting their arms from side to side. There's not even any sway of the hips, which at least most people can get kind of right when they're trying to do a quote-unquote hula. And they just make random noises in it. It's the best. Ouch! A two-cough. I love it. 
We bask in the tropical breezes. We got seven tropical diseases. As if it's a jungle in the middle of, like, nowhere. It's Hawaii. Are we done? Can we put this wretched melody behind us at last? We can move on because it comes back. Shut up! We can deal with it when we get there. Can we move on to Pizzazz awkwardly flirting with Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Kimber goes off to do a thing. Pizzazz comes over to flirt with Steve. And Steve immediately responds with, Pizzazz, I'm with Kimber. Wow, that was quick. Are they actually together or are they just kind of flirty on a beach? I think this is the kind of thing where all of the men in Kimber's life seem to assume that they're going steady and Kimber like never actually makes any implications to that end. I still feel like Kimber has never been dishonest in this. She likes boys, she likes kissing boys, and all these boys seem to assume that like she is a one man woman. She dates, she dates around, it's fine. Pizzazz basically has decided that Steve is really attractive and shrieks that she's been turned down. Roxy pops up and it's like, oh no, Roxy, please don't repeat the movie plot. Please don't say, well, you know, you can always kill her. But Pizzazz arrives at that conclusion by herself. So she goes over to talk to Zipper, who is wearing the best outfit I have ever seen him wear. I'm kind of hoping that Zipper had a doll because I would want to dress up my Zipper doll in this outfit. It's like cargo shorts and an open Hawaiian shirt and huge obnoxious sunglasses and like a threadbare straw hat. It's amazing. Zipper wears his sunglasses at night so he can, so he can see. Pizzazz tells Zipper to get rid of Kimber until after the swimming competition. Zipper thinks that's a great idea and he takes it to the logical conclusion that Zipper always takes things to. Time to murder Kimber. Let's all keep in mind that this isn't a premeditated Zipper plan. This is what Zipper comes up with on the fly. Let's frame everything through that. This is the first idea that popped into his head. So we cut to two little Hawaiian girls and one of them sees Kimber and is like, I'm going to get her autograph and runs over. And thus she's there to witness when Zipper straight up kidnaps Kimber. And she follows them to the volcano. There's a volcano. Where, by the way, Zipper is taking Kimber to drop her off right by some lava. Zipper carries Kimber, and Kimber's doing that thing that women always do in, like, 80s movies where they want to show, like, the damsel in distress being mildly independent, which is that she screams, put me down right now, and, like, pounds her little fists on his back. And Zipper just carries her into a volcano, leaves her next to a gigantic pool of lava. Lava's hot, you can't do that. Ties her up and gags her. And she starts screaming through the gag. And then as he's leaving, the volcano starts to erupt, and he's like, Oh, bonus. His exact line is, I didn't count on that. Must be my lucky day. This is our commercial break, and I have this written down as ultimate memento mori by our dolls. Kimber is basically already dead. That honestly should be Zipper. This is what I love is that this episode, like, just sort of assumes that the only thing you ever have to actually be worried about with a volcano is the lava. Touching the lava. You don't even have to worry about being near the lava. We come back from our commercial break and Steve looks up, sees the volcano going off and says, Wananui Hoo Hoo is erupting. Okay, science corner. Hawaiian volcanoes are all shield volcanoes. They're not the steep conical peaks like in here. They take up a lot of space. They are gentle slopes. There are three active volcanoes in the Hawaiian Islands, and they are all on Hawaii Island, which is not where Honolulu is. I believe Honolulu is located on Oahu. The three volcanoes are Manualoa, which last erupted in 1984, so, you know, relatively recent from here. 
uh, since this is 1986, Kilauea, which has been continuously erupting since 1983, again on Hawaii Island, and Loihi, which is which is an underwater volcano and in, in the grand scheme of things eventually will basically create a ninth island in the Hawaii Islands. There are no active volcanoes on Oahu. And there's definitely not one called Wananui Huhu. Super not! They all go looking for Kimber. Our little Hawaiian Moppet comes up, introduces herself as Giselle, and leads them to Kimber, who by all accounts should be super dead. So they all go through this this volcano cave, and here we are. So many of my notes are just, you can't do that, lava is hot. It is so hot. You can still feel the heat from 100 feet away. But once they get inside the volcano cave, a rock slide buries them in there. And they're like, well, I guess we gotta find Kimber now. Instead of going, well, we're going to die. We are dead. We are so dead. Kimber is dead. Everyone is dead. They find Kimber. She's fine. She's tied up, but she's fine. Her lungs are perfectly clean. They find her and Steve is like, follow me. And he picks up Giselle. For reasons that I cannot determine aside from the fact that she's got short little legs and can't run as fast. And they run forward. And then it cuts away. To the middle of the day, apparently. Where Pizzazz has just won the swimming competition. And the crowd is like, wait, where's Jem? They start chanting, we want Jem. Which is not exactly the thing Pizzazz wants to hear right after winning a swimming competition. So there's other competitors, but are they all just sort of there to be placeholders? As far as we know, the swimming competition is completely legit. Pizzazz doesn't cheat, and yet she still wins. Zipper never introduced any, like, any any shenanigans for the swimming competition. Except for that mechanical shark, which blew up. And besides, how are you going to get away with putting that in a swimming pool? They use cartoon springs to break two world records yesterday. It's not like he's expecting them to be to be actually, you know, competent. Meanwhile, the holograms find their way out of the volcano at dawn. They have been running through a volcano all night. But they get to the slopes of the volcano and the sun is rising. And they, they say, we have to get to the arena. They don't say like, thank God we're alive. They're like, oh no, the misfits might win a trophy. And Giselle is like, I know a shortcut. She knows this area. Why is Giselle playing around volcanoes? They, they just came out the other side of volcano. And Giselle's like, I know exactly how to get to the stadium from here. I mean, I know it's a small island, but come on. But they get back just in time for the tug of war. Because the Misfits might win a competition by default, which doesn't make any sense. There are other contestants. We've seen them. For the final event, the one you've all been waiting for, the tug of war. Which Aja does not get to participate in, probably because she'd win it single-handed. If Aja participated in this, she would literally just destroy everybody else. But it's three versus three, so Aja's got to sit this one out. In a couple of different shots, uh, the holograms and the misfits actually switch sides here. Kimber hears Zipper, like, egg on the misfits. He's like, gee, that sounds familiar. And then he yells some more, and she's like, I know him, that's the creep that kidnapped me! And Steve immediately attacks Zipper. Like, grabs him, beats him down. The holograms end up winning the competition because of uh, Kimber's renewed fury. And the misfits fall into the mud with, like, these weird Betty Boop sounds, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. But this also means the misfits or holograms are tied, which means there were only two events today. There's no actual math involved in determining the tie. It's just what the plot demands. And then they all switch to, like, a police office or something. Yeah, Zipper is actually getting arrested for kidnapping. He is facing legal consequences for stuff, which is probably why we never see him again. He's in jail. Oh, yeah. No, he's absolutely for realsy reals incarcerated. 
Zipper tries to bring the misfits with him by claiming that they cheated the misfits, say that we have no knowledge of that. Giselle shows up with a bag of misfits gear and says, I found it on the field. They left their gear on the field. And Giselle wandered up. Can anyone go down into the into the stadium? And anyone can just kind of grab anything that's there. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's cool. The misfits are disqualified, which means the holograms win. By default. And to celebrate that at the governor's mansion, they sing, it's how you play the game. Which I feel like it doesn't matter whether you win, it's how you play the game, is kind of a, a shallow sentiment from people who have just won the game. Yeah, it really is. Like if they'd lost, that would be a good ending to the episode. But no, they won. And now they're going to say, well, it doesn't matter that we won. It's how we played the game, right? The worst part is that like the music video is just them doing this like fake reenactment of the competition. I'd also like to point out that it took us halfway through the episode to have one song that was Misfits in Hawaii, and it has taken us until the very end to have our second. Sometimes in these episodes with only two music videos, you'll have a bunch of the replays at the end. In And I think the Gem Jam part one, even Christy Marks in the commentary will talk about how like, you know, I had a whole extra scene for this, but then they cut it and then the episode ran short. So they replayed one of the music videos. Especially egregious in this episode. So we finish up how you play the game and the holograms are given a trophy. And then for some reason, they give it to Giselle. And then Kimber and Steve go for one last walk on the beach. And oh no, Rio's here. Rio, out of nowhere. This is the worst surprise ever. Gem's on the beach and Rio shows up. And he's like, why don't you tell me about the episode? Why is Rio here? Out of all things, out of all places, why did Rio show up here in the last five seconds? He wasn't even in the music video. He's in a little, like, beach outfit. Oh my god, did they just have, like, a, a line of beach dolls and they just, like, had one for Rio? They needed Rio in this just to show off the outfit. I think that, honestly, that might be it. And if that wasn't insult enough, the episode's over and then they replay not only how you play the game, but also the Misfits in Hawaii. The Misfits' new greatest hit! And the worst part is they go through both these songs. It is completely shameless. And then they add a superstar segment too. This episode was like a billion minutes too short. A superstar PSA is, it's stranger danger. This woman pulls up in her car to Chrissy and some other girl. In like lookalike clothes. Is this girl her stunt double? Yeah, probably. Pulls up next to Chrissy and says, your parents were in an accident. Get in the car. I'll take you to them. And they're like, no, thank you. The girl's like, this is not legit. No, I'm not getting in your car. And then Jem pulls up. She rushes out of the car and's like, that's right. Don't get in the car. And then she also tells Vicky, apparently is her name, Chrissy's stunt double, that her parents are safe at home. How do you know that? The best part about this PSA is the last shot, which is that there's two gems in it. There's the gem on the sidewalk talking to Vicky and Chrissy. There's another gem in the car. And as we watch, the gem on the sidewalk runs over to the car, gets in and merges with the gem in the car and drives off. It's incredible. So I think that about wraps it up for us here at the Gem Jam this week with uh, with Hot Time in Hawaii. You know, at least this one was entertaining. But next week we have the princess and the singer. And it is it is a bad episode, you guys. It is bad. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can also find us on Tumblr and Twitter at Gem Jamcast on Twitter. Uh, the Gem Jam just about everywhere else. We are also on Patreon. If you like what we do, drop us a dollar or two on the Patreon. Would be super cool of you. We love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think about the episodes. Uh, if you have any wacky theories, that would be super great. For instance, 
our friends on Tumblr have alerted us several times every time that there has been a new a new image of Tech Rat in the upcoming issues of uh, of the Gem and the Holograms comic book. It's wonderful to know that our hashtag brand is now We Like Tech Rat and that you embrace that, dear listeners. So until next week, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Meg. And this has been the Gem Jam, where outrageousness cometh before a fall.